With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me! It's Jonathan Elway, he was so sassy and cool and hey guys, I'm a cowboy, bang bang, sling sling, toss toss, I'm going to lose all the time and then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Happy Tuesday, Broncos fans. Well, we are continuing into an off-season that is proving to be much more enjoyable and fun than our 2018 regular season. So thank you for that, John Elway and the Denver Broncos. Yes, okay, not thank you. No thank you for the season, but thank you for this off-season that has been absolutely positively exhilarating. I mean, it's like every week, every day there's some news. I mean, we have something to talk about continuously if it's you know the coaching changes, if it's Gary Kubiak jumping ship, if it's the whole relationship between Elway Kubiak and Fangio, you know heck, just bringing in Fangio, who is who is 
this defensive mastermind, this evil genius, the guy that no one expected them to go out and get because everyone thought he was going to go get the exact opposite of Vance Joseph. They thought he was going to go get a young offensive guy. Um, in reality, it ended up that there weren't that many opportunities for a young offensive guy for John Elway to bring in as, as the head coach, and maybe that's part of why they ended up with Vic Fangio. And I think part of it is because Elway was just simply impressed with with, with Fangio. And and Elway came out in a, in a recent interview, I think yesterday, and I don't remember who it was with. I think it was with Mike Florio on NBC or Pro Football Talk, wherever he's with now. And, and Elway said something like, hey, you know, the last hire was a mistake, partly because I didn't, you know, do the, the just, you know, interviews with everybody. He kind of already had Vance Joseph picked because they had met Joseph several years before when he interviewed for the defensive coordinator job, which ended up going to Wade Phillips because Vance Joseph was blocked by Cincinnati, et cetera. Anyway, Elway said, yeah, that, that's, it's a mistake that he made. And he went into this process with the idea that every single coach that they brought in, every single candidate should have equal opportunity to, to, to win that job. And I, and I actually believe that as it ended up, it ended up being the case that Elway went in with and hired a guy that I don't think many people thought that he actually would go with. And they, most people I think believed that they would go with either um, Pagano or Munchak and Munchak made the most sense because he was the offensive guy and he was the exact opposite of Vance Joseph. Number one, he had head coaching experience. Number two, he was an offensive guy. And number three, well, he's not Vance Joseph. Um, anyway, now the story gets even crazier when the two guys who were the last two candidates for the head coaching job were Vic Fangio and Mike Munchak. Now, Mike Munchak has been the offensive line coach in Pittsburgh for many years now, for I, I believe five seasons. And in the NFL, that's a long time. Uh, Vic Fangio, of course, is the de- was the defensive coordinator in Chicago and had built one of the best defenses, really the best defense in the NFL. And those were the last two guys to come in and, and, uh, and apply for this position or to have a chance at the, this position. And in the bizarre world of, of the Denver Broncos and the NFL, the Broncos are going to end up hiring both of them. And, and not just bizarre in that one will run the offense, one will run the defense. They actually are bringing in Mike Munchak as the offensive line coach. So he's not even stepping up in position. He is going horizontal in terms of of position grouping. So he's not getting a uh, you know a raise in job. Now I do believe he's going to get a raise in money. I've heard that the Broncos are willing to offer him money that he is not going to get anywhere else for a, for an offensive line position. Now clearly Munchak saw something in the organization and also in the in the extra money coming in in his paycheck that made him jump ship in Pittsburgh and come to Denver. And I think, first of all, Pittsburgh is a total disaster right now. Their, their locker room is a mess. You know, a- Antonio Brown wants out. He's probably going to be traded. Le'Veon Bell, of course, is the ongoing saga of, of jerkness and selfishness, which is also fairly just on his in his case, too. So I mean, their whole locker room is a disaster. And now they're losing a guy who apparently seemed to be one of the the consistent leaders, that the guys that that was you know trustworthy and that kind of calmed down that Pittsburgh uh, locker room, and also put together a fantastically good offensive line. Now there have been different reports; that people have different opinions about the big men about the offensive line in Pittsburgh, but you can't deny that their offensive line got better in the years that he was there. I believe they're in the bottom twenty, or um, excuse me, the bottom ten before he came. 
And then since he's been there, they were in the top 10 in the league in terms of, of pass blocking and in terms of run blocking. Now, if you look at their running statistics, they're not great, even with Le'Veon Bell, but that's simply because they're a team that, that passes first. They're a pass-first offense. And the stats, again, with Munchak are, are far superior to those without Munchak. And and I think he, he is revered or, or really well thought of as being the best offensive line coach in football. And the Broncos just signed him to a contract. That's huge, guys. I mean, this is a guy who was brought in as a potential head coach, and now he is brought in as an offensive line coach. I mean, this is extreme. I mean, this is a guy who not only can help out with the offensive line, not only can build this offensive line to be one of the best in football, he can also help out the new young head coach that can come in and and bring in some of these these college concepts and bring in some of these, uh, it appears to be likely to be one of these guys who is a Shanahan um, disciple. Um Scandrello, I believe is his name. Um, I'm looking up his name right now. Uh, guy coming in. He's the 49ers quarterback coach. Um, I had this up earlier. Rich, yeah, Rich Scandrello. Uh, he is the 49ers quarterback coach under Kyle Shanahan. He's a guy who's coming recently from the college ranks. Uh, he's kind of mixed a style with the with the college. Um, you know, kind of the aired out um, offense, you know, the schemes that just kind of, you know, you're looking for big plays all the time in the passing game. And also with the, the Shanahan offense, um, which obviously we know a little bit about with the Shanahan and, and Kubiak styles. So a guy that I think people are really excited about is someone who looks like he could be a young, uh, good offensive mind in the league. And I, I truly think that the Broncos are getting the best of both worlds here. They, they've got a head coach who has just an absolute uh, genius of, of, of mentality of this old-fashioned, you know, just grungy, dirty, you know, do your jobs and, and, and we'll succeed. And a guy that doesn't, he doesn't mess around. He, there's no, I, I think I saw an MHR, there, there's myoharreport.com that is, that there is, there's no uh, T-shirt, you know, mentality these days. There's no, uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, I'm having a hard time thinking today, guys. Um, th- this is a team that there's no, there's no nonsense. There's no more nonsense on this team, and and I, I we're going to talk about that a little bit more later about how I think you know the, the the coaching staff got even too much blame for the nonsense that went on in the Broncos locker room. Uh, we'll talk about that in the next segment. Also coming up later, I forgot to mention that today, as always, we will have the skipper dude on to give us his impression of the coaching hires and what's going on in the front office as well as, as on the field for the Denver Broncos. And skipper dude always brings his unique um, approach. His, his approach is a, as a longtime uh, manager and a guy who really knows the ins and outs of business. Now, also, we're going to try something a little bit different in the later segment. Uh, the, the final segment, we're going to bring in a couple uh, fans, just just simple fans who I said I reached out to and said, hey, I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your rants. I want to hear your opinions on this podcast. So record something and send it to me. So they, they, I got a couple, I, at least one for sure. I think I'm going to have two. Um, of just honest to goodness Broncos fans who are telling us what they think of the team. They're giving us their opinions on anything. 
anything they want. They can talk about the, the, the quarterback situation. They can talk about John Elway. One of the guys already sent me his recording. He talks a little bit about the, the history of John Elway with the team and what he needs to do going forward. Hey, that's, that's great. You know, I, I want to hear more voices. I, I mean, the skipper dude really brings such a good, different twist to this show that that's something I want to do each week. I want to bring in just a couple minutes from, from different fans each week to say, hey, you know, this is your chance to tell Broncos country what you think. I mean, not everyone wants to sit for an hour and listen to what, you know, Kevin Gilligan here thinks. They want to hear what everyone else thinks. And, and I open that to everyone. I, I truly, any listener who has a good opinion, a good rant, um, please record it on your phone. Uh, there are plenty of apps out there. Um, I know Anchor, I think it's Anchor FM or something like that, that is, a, is, a, is an app, but literally just, just search for a voice recording app and email me your rant, your segment at kevingillikinusa at gmail.com. And I will pick the best from the lot and I will put them in and I will give you credit. So the only things I ask of you, if you're going to send in a, a rant or a segment, I need a brief introduction at the beginning, who you are, where you're from, how long you've been a Broncos fan, etc. And it also must be clean. It has to be family friendly. My podcast is published as a clean podcast. And thus anything I get that has language or cursing or, or anything rude or, or dirty, it just is not going on my show. So those are the only two things. Please email me again, KevinGillikinUSA at gmail.com. And I will, as I said, give you full props and you will get to have your voice heard right here on the Broncos and Broadworth podcast and milehighreport.com. So again, coming up in the next few segments, we're going to hear from Skipper Dude. And I want to talk about two different things. First up, in the next segment, I'm going to talk about what I think happened between John Elway and Gary Kubiak in order to cause this great divorce in terms of their, at least their on-field friendship and possibly their off-field friendship. And also in the final segment, we're just going to talk about what we think the Broncos prospects looks like going forward and just how pumped up we are about the team and their path forward. And of course, we're going to discuss all the rumors about the potential of bringing in Antonio Brown. And, you know, it's endless, guys. It's endless. I mean, there's just so much to talk about, and I can't wait to talk about it with you. Next segment, we're going to talk about Elway Kubiak divorce. All right, so, of course... Adding on to all the big news of the new hires of Vic Fangio and Mike Munchak and perhaps Scandrello. <laughs> Again, this is really turning into the most Italian team of all time, which hopefully is a good thing. Um, there, of course, has been an even possibly a bigger, I don't know, breaking news in the background. And that is the fact that Gary Kubiak has left the team. He has left any position with the Denver Broncos. And this is, of course, not all good. Now, I think a lot of fans are looking at this as a positive. They didn't love his scheme. They didn't love, you know, the fact that he's kind of an older guy. His his offense in Denver the last time he was here was not all that exciting. It wasn't all that successful. Yes, it won a Super Bowl, but you can definitely say that was more thanks to Wade Phillips and his defense than to the Gary Kubiak offense. Now, no matter what you think of Gary Kubiak, you have to look at what he helped, uh, at least apparently, bring to the draft team, the team that went to you know the the 2018 draft and selected you know one of the best drafts of the year and one of the best 
Broncos drafts for sure since John Elway has been in the team. And who knows really if if that was mostly because of Gary Kubiak, if it was partly because of Gary Kubiak. Heck, maybe it wasn't at all partly, you know, at all because of Gary Kubiak. But the the idea is that he came in and, and gave a better approach both on both sides of the ball uh, at the draft in the draft process. Again, this is debatable. Now, maybe Elway himself has just figured things things out. Maybe it's Russell. Maybe it's whoever else you know has is kind of put things together. But either way, there's no question that losing Gary Kubiak is not a good thing. This is this is not a positive. It's not an overall positive in any possible way. This is a guy who has many many Super Bowls under his belt, both as a coach as a player. He is an extremely experienced guy. He's a very good man. I truly believe that. You hear that from everyone. He's a classy, professional person, um, and I, they're going to miss him. Absolutely. No question they're going to miss him in the front office. Now, I'm not totally upset that he's not going to be the offensive coordinator either. I, I, I didn't love the direction that he had planned to take or that it seemed like he had planned to take. Now, the big question has been, what on earth happened between what one week ago where John Elway and everyone was coming out and saying that Gary Kubiak will have a position on this team. That's from the the horse's mouth. John Elway said Gary Kubiak will be on this team in an offensive capacity. Now, I don't think it was ever official that he was going to be offensive coordinator. Now, other people like Mike Kliss and and, and others on Twitter and, and throughout the, the reporting world did report that Gary Kubiak was going to be the offensive coordinator, but that was also before Vic Fangio was officially the head coach. And and John Elway had said, hey, you know, hey, we're going to let, you know, the new head coach really officially do this. But it definitely seemed like Fangio and Elway wanted to have Gary Kubiak on the team. And that makes sense. Again, this is an extremely respected and talented person on offense. So the question is, what happened? What happened to this, this relationship? Not just between Kubiak and the Broncos, Kubiak and Fangio, but mostly between Kubiak and Elway, who are friends, close friends. And I think my theory is the fact that they are close friends is exactly what made this all happen. Now, hear me out. I think what happened, this is exactly what happens. You know, they tell you never, never rent a flat or an apartment with your friends. Never move in with your closest friends. Never hire your friends to work with you. And, and why is that? Why is it that we don't want to be in a, in, in a, in a different position with our friends than outside of work, outside of our home, outside of our daily life? Our friends are people who, you obviously treat differently than everyone else. You treat differently than colleagues. And and mainly, that is mostly because of trust, right? You've earned their trust. They've earned yours. There's a reason why they're your friends because you know them. You're comfortable with them. You, you've been through things together. And it's the same as if you want to bring in a friend to live with you in an apartment. You You trust them. Because they're your friend, and so immediately, there are things you don't ask them that you would ask someone you've never met before. That's instinct. Your friends just, there are things that are implied when you're friends. There are things that don't have to be said, that you just trust. You say, oh, okay, well, I know, I know Gary, so no problem. 
So I think this is what happened. I think John John Elway and Gary Kubiak had plenty of conversations about the the future of this team and the future of the offense. They sat down and of course they talked about it. Of course they did. Let's not be ridiculous. I think what happened was John Elway and Gary Kubiak talked about it, and they both said, hey, you know what? We want a different approach to this offense. We want something young. We want something fresh. We want something sexy. We want something that's, you know, college, that's, that's you know, frill, frill, frills, and it's just boom. And I, I guarantee you they both were like, yeah, hey, that sounds great. Maybe Elway said that's what he wanted, and, and Kubiak's like, hey, yep, perfect. That's exactly what I want. And Elway, after after talking with Kubiak about it, and after Gary Kubiak said, "Hey, yeah, that sounds good, man. Let's do it." Elway didn't even didn't approach it any farther. He he didn't he didn't ask any more questions. He just assumed it was implied that Kubiak was on the same page because they're friends, because they're close. When when your friend moves into your apartment, you trust him. And you don't think you have to tell him things like, hey, you can't smoke in here. Or, hey, you can't bring in your pet lizard, Joey, to live in, in, in the living room. You don't have to tell him that because you're friends. You, you, it's implied. You, you, you know this guy. You trust this guy. Now, if it's a stranger, then yes, you're going to have to say something. Of course, you always say, hey, you know, no pets allowed, no smoking allowed. You know, do you plan on, you know, any crazy things I need to know about? You always ask this if it's someone you don't know. If it's if it's your friend, you trust it. It's the same thing that happened here. Elway and Kubiak had this conversation. Elway was confident that Gary Kubiak wanted to move forward with a, a young offensive scheme and plan. And you know what? Gary Kubiak did. The difference, the difference is that Gary Kubiak wanted to run this scheme with his other friends who are his offensive guys and not new guys, not new, young, sexy offensive coordinators, but guys like Rick Dennison. Who's the other guy? Pianelli, I think, is the other guy. Guys who have already been fired in the past by the Broncos. Coaches that John Elway already fired and decided that he did not like their approach. He did not like their coaching style enough to release them from the team. And Gary Kubiak, his idea of the offense was that, hey, I can do this. I can bring this team forward. I can bring a new, cool offense to this team with my guys. Now, what happened was again, they didn't talk about that. Kubiak didn't tell Elway because he assumed Elway knew. Elway didn't ask Kubiak because he assumed Kubiak wasn't going to do that because they're friends. And so what happened was Fangio came in and I guarantee you the three of them sat around a table and Vic Fangio said, hey, you know, hey, Gary Kubiak, hey man, you know, I'm really glad to have you here. This sounds great. I'm really excited for your offense. Um, who, who do you plan on bringing in, bringing in as staff? And Kubiak sat back and said, you know, I think, you know, the guys I know and I trust, you know, my, my guy is, you know, Rick Dennis and, and Pianelli. And I can just guarantee you, John Elway sitting there across the table like, dude, what? <laughs> you know, like, what? You never said that. What are you talking about, man? We talked about having a, you know, a, a bright young offense and, and, and building something new. We talked about this. 
And and Kubiak's probably like, yeah, we did talk about it, and and that's what I want to do, and that's what Dennison and, and the others are going to help me do. And Elway's like, no, that that's that's against the whole point. The point is, we want you to bring in a young, fresh staff that can help bring in college schemes and college ideas and new ideas. And so in this meeting room, when Fangio came in and kind of pushed things to the forefront and actually pushed these two friends, these two close buddies to actually talk, it came out that they didn't have the same idea of the future of the team. They didn't have the same things in mind. Yeah, sure, the overall general scheme, the overall general strategy, but you can't do that with with totally different people. Elway didn't trust the people that Kubiak trusts. And this is a really good example of why you do not hire your friends. Even if they're great coaches, even if they're great people, even if they are the most talented people around, it's there is a thing as over-trust. You can over-trust people. And with friends, sometimes it's not even just trust. It's that there's that discomfort with saying things that are awkward. You're more likely to go and say something blunt or awkward to someone you barely know than you are to your best buddy. And that's the problem when you have employees under you who are your friends. How do you live with that? How do you work with having to tell them, hey, man, you know, you need to be honest with me. What are you actually going to do? It doesn't work. Even if you're 50, 60 years old, as we're seeing with Elway and Kubiak. And so in the end, the relationship, the friendship of these two is what really hurt them. And I'm pretty confident about this because otherwise nothing else makes sense. What, what is the other reason why Elway and Kubiak and everyone in the organization was confident that Kubiak was going to be part of this team? Fangio said he was happy about it. I, I've heard that Fangio even said he would have hired Kubiak if he had taken the Miami job. If that's the case, then clearly Fangio wasn't against Kubiak and what actually did them in, and I think this is being semi-reported, at least it's being rumored, that Kubiak didn't get the job because he wanted to bring in his other friends. And so it's like a double boing, you know, that 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 Kubiak's friends and then Kubiak being friends with Elway cost him a position with the team. And it's going to cost the team. Clearly, Elway and Kubiak should have had a heart-to-heart before this. They should have had a better in-depth conversation about what Kubiak's plan was for the offense moving forward, and they didn't. And that is a shame because the Broncos are going to miss Gary Kubiak. They're going to miss his offensive mind. They're going to miss his presence in that front office. So let's hope that this team can put together a team that can work without him. Now, so far, so good. I think Fangio and Munchak are a fantastic start to the coaching staff. Fantastic. Now, the question is, can John Elway find the right people to put around him in the front office? People who are not his friends, people who are not yes men, but people who are going to talk to him, you know, with, with total, I don't know, professionalism, I suppose. And people who are going to help him draft as well as Gary Kubiak helped the team draft in 2018. So that's my theory. Coming up next, we've got the Skipper Dude with his ever great segments. 
Uh, he's kind of pumped up about this team. He's pumped up about the hiring of Vic Fangio, this good old-fashioned head coach. Um, listen on in to what else uh, Skipper Dude has to say. And, well, I'll be back right after him for yet another segment of Broncos and Bratwurst. Thanks, as always, for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today we're going to take a trip down memory lane, all the way back to uh, last week, and John Elway's hiring of Vic Fangio as head coach of the Denver Broncos. The way things have moved over the past week, it already feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? So in my business career, one of the roles I've played is that of project manager, and one of the most fun parts of being a project manager is what we call the post-mortem or lessons learned meeting at the very end of a project. It's a time to both celebrate the successes of a project as well as to look at what could have been done better as a means of improving processes you know, down, down the road in the future. So today I thought we'd do a post-mortem or a lessons learned discussion on the Vic Fangio fire, uh, hire and, and go through the hits and misses of Joe Ellis's and John Elway's process that led to the Vic Fangio hiring. So as is usually done in these types of discussions, I'm going to start with the successes because there's really quite a bit to celebrate here. So first and foremost, um, the, the obvious is the bottom line to this whole process. All right, Almost all of Broncos country, myself included, we believe we found a good head coach to build the organization around. Vic Fangio doesn't have the same sex appeal as maybe a Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan from the 2017 head coaching class. But this guy brings some serious gravitas, experience, and just plain attitude to the position. Watching the fan reaction in Chicago, it reminds me almost exactly of the fan reaction here in Denver when we lost Wade Phillips. We were depressed for ourselves, but happy for Wade that he was moving on to a new situation that was to his liking. In fact, I'd say my gut instinct on Fangio is that he basically is Wade Phillips in, the, in, in regards to his experience his intelligence, and the respect he commands throughout the NFL. But, you know, obviously he's, a, he's as about as opposite a personality as you're going to find. So bottom line, all's well that, that ends well, right? So second of the successes, as I'll discuss in the misses section, I didn't feel like Elway's process was particularly strategic or philosophical. However, he did find a guy in Fangio who is going to give the Broncos, the identity that I believe Elway has wanted ever since he began as the general manager in 2011. Gritty, hard-nosed, mean, and physical with just a touch of sportsman-like nasty. Um, from all accounts, Fangio is going to bring a persona to this team that is going to rely less on raw talent and more on pure grit and desire. Frankly, I, I don't think Demarius Thomas would have lasted long under Vic Fangio, nor will Bradley Roby. I'm talking about the guys who may be great teammates and good guys, but just don't bring it every week. I, I really believe at this point the future of the Broncos belongs more to tough hombres like Derek Wolf and Garrett Bowles and, and, and Philip Lindsay. So, so third, I think going into this process, I know I was worried that Elway was going to simply hire a yes man, maybe a longtime buddy like Mike Shanahan or perhaps even a safe terrible, terrible choice like a Bill Musgrave. Instead, he chose an independent-minded, total badass with no previous ties in Denver. It was a bold and humble step for Elway that is going to force Elway to take a step back from the on-field operations 
which is probably honestly a good thing. And, and then finally, uh, of, the, of the items we can celebrate, I think we can celebrate the fact that this decision came off as Elway's decision to make and not a decision that came on high from Jill Ellis or, or worse yet, the, the dysfunctional Boland family. Elway is, is realistically probably sitting at strike two as a Broncos GM, with Paxton Lynch having been strike one and Vance Joseph having been strike two. And this needed to be John Elway's decision to make. And by all accounts, it was his decision. So now, before I go into lessons learned, otherwise known as the misses of the process, I want to talk briefly about one aspect that was strangely both a hit and a miss, and that, that's Gary Kubiak. I suspect that I'm probably in a majority of Bronco fans when I say that Gary Kubiak as offensive coordinator really didn't excite me much. Yeah, Kubiak's he had a nice run as an offensive coordinator in Baltimore with Joe Flacco, but I know I had visions of the 2015 three-and-out machine with no real creative spark with, with Kubiak at, at OC. The problem, though, is that Kubiak, in charge of the draft board, like he reportedly was in 2018, excites me a lot. Um, as far as I'm concerned, whatever it takes to convince Kubes to run the draft board in 2019 like he did in 2018, do it. Just get it done, John Elway. Reading between the lines, the, the whole Kubiak OC deal played out kind of as you uh, I, you would have expected. I figure that Kubiak made his job as as offensive coordinator, the potential job contingent on bringing along the perpetual dead weight of Rick Dennison. And, and Fangio said no, and of course that was that, and they parted ways. Now, personally, I'm a big believer that an effective coaching staff needs a combination of age and experience along with youth and fresh ideas. Okay, so either go old with your head coach and young with your coordinators or young with your head coach and old with your coordinators. If you go old and old, like things we're setting up with Fangio and, and Kubiak, it's extremely easy to get stale. And, and you, you also start to see clashing egos of, of old dudes who are set in their ways. If you go young, young, you end up with Vance Joseph and Joe Woods and just not, not the, uh, the kind of gravitas that, that you need to, to control a locker room. So, so the fact that we've lost Kubiak as an offensive coordinator really doesn't bother me. But if the falling out with Elway and Fangio leads uh, Kubes to greener pastures of another organization and Elway ends up running the 2019 draft board like he did 2013 to 2017, then I know I'll be very, very concerned because John Elway can't draft for crap. So, so now let's move on to the misses of the process, the lessons learned. Where did things go sour? Where could they have been done better? So first, I really felt like the whole process was just kind of slapped together with no real sense of organizational vision. As I said in last week's podcast, I believe John Elway should have surrounded himself with the best football people he could find, go on a week-long retreat, and refine his visionary bearing for both the NFL in general and the Broncos in particular. But I don't get the impression that he did anything like that. So instead of a head coaching search that was kind of the quarterback equivalent of a classic disciplined Tom Brady-type progression read, the process to me felt more like a, a classic John Elway improvisation. Um, time will tell whether he'll get away with it. Maybe he will. Okay, so second, Joe Ellis. Uh, what the heck, man? 
he did separate interviews with everybody except Fangio from from what I've read. Now, don't get me wrong. I've I've been in some interviews for higher up business positions, similar to a head coach, and it's not unusual to get a brief interview with the CEO. In and of itself, I really don't mind that part. But number one, don't let it get out into the public because it gives off the impression that you don't trust your football people. And number two, if it's true that Ellis didn't even interview Fangio, then what the heck was he doing interviewing anybody? I mean, was he just putting on a show for ownership? The whole Joe Ellis aspect of this process was just weird and definitely a miss um, for the Broncos. So third, this came off as one of the weaker head coaching classes in some time. Sure, you had a ridiculously safe choice with Chuck Pagano, but let's be honest with ourselves here. Vic Fangio has been interviewing for head coaching jobs for quite some time now and has never gotten a head coaching job until now. That alone should be a red flag that he may have just been the proverbial best horse in the glue factory this year. Um, of course, by the same token, you can also say, you can make the same argument about Philip Lindsay, you know, having been passed over in, in the draft seven times by all 32 teams, you know, that that he was the same way. So, so we'll honestly need some time to let Fangio play out. I mean, yeah, it's a red flag that he hasn't been hired before, but, but perhaps that was just because teams, other teams missed on him. So finally, Kevin, I have to give Elway and the Broncos a B, maybe even a B plus grade for the process. Not great like the Rams in 2017, but also not terrible. Most importantly though, the process has filled the Bronco country with hope. I know it has for me. And whether Vic Fangio plays out as a badass reincarnation of Vince Lombardi or as an immature jerk like Hugh Jackson, at least it was a bold play on John Elway's part. Think of it as a deep seam pattern to the tight end when, when John Elway was forced with third and 15 as an organization and not just a little cookie-cutter draw play. So I know that fans like myself are excited for 2019 in a way we weren't two weeks ago, and that alone is a success of sorts for John Elway. Kevin, back to you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're not even yet into February, and we still have awesome, awesome rumors and things to talk about. Again, not just Mike Munchak becoming the offensive line coach, not just Vic Fangio, the evil genius coming in to coach the team and run the defense, but also the rumors of a potential addition, or at least an attempt to bring in Antonio Brown, the wide receiver from Pittsburgh, to come in and boost the offense for the Denver Broncos. Now, to me, this seems pretty extreme. Uh, I think he's a guy who obviously has some serious, serious ego issues um, and some attitude problems. It is all about me when it comes to Antonio Brown, but he is no question one of the top three or for sure top five wide receivers in all of football. Now, I do also believe that a lot of his skill, a lot of his talent works with Ben Roethlisberger. They have a connection that I think that Antonio Brown takes for granted. I think Roethlisberger is one of those guys who extends plays and Antonio Brown and he have had a, they have such a long history, such a long past that they understand each other. They, they know what the other one is thinking when Roethlisberger, you know, gains an extra two seconds. Brown, knows where to go and Big Ben knows where to throw it. And that that's a big deal. I, I don't think you can just take for granted that Antonio Brown is going to go somewhere else and be a superstar. 
Now, yes, he's a great receiver. He is one of the best route runners we've seen in a long time. He's fast, he's quick, he's got good hands, etc. But I don't think it's as simple as you bring in this guy and he's going to be you know, the best receiver in football, especially if you have a quarterback like Case Keenum. And I think this is a real important thing to remember that no matter where this team goes moving forward, I mean, no matter what coaches you have, teams run on quarterbacking. You have to have a quarterback who at least, the very least, can lead a team and not make mistakes and, you know, just push a team forward enough. You have to be a plus. You can't be a negative at quarterback and have any success as a team. Now, the Broncos, again, we've talked about this over and over, and we'll continue to talk about this until the draft and probably all the way up until September because it is the most important conversation that we're going to have, especially now that we have a head coach, Vic Fangio. We'll see. He's never been a coach, guys. Yeah, I'm excited about him. Skipper Dude might be excited about him. We'll see. He, he He's not sure either. But, but Fangio, <coughs> excuse me, Fangio has the same issue as Vance Joseph did in that he has zero head coaching experience. Zero. He has coached, or he coached the exact amount of games as Vance Joseph did before Vance Joseph took over the head coaching job. Now, yes, it's not exactly the same in the rest of their experience because Fangio has been around for 30 years in the NFL and has seen just about everything. Now, I wrote a very controversial article on milehighreport.com last week about the possibility of bringing in Colin Kaepernick as the quarterback. Now, that was mixed with that it was met with mixed, you know, feelings, with mixed responses, and that's how you're always going to get anything in regards to Colin Kaepernick, especially because of his political stances. Now, I don't really agree with Colin Kaepernick's political stances. I think he was an idiot. I think he cost himself millions of dollars, etc whatever. Honestly, I don't really care. I mean, I don't like the fact that he got all this attention. I want to watch sports so that I don't have to watch politics. I turn on ESPN. I don't turn on CNN. Okay. I don't care what your political stance is. Don't bring it to sports. That's why I love sports. Sports are free. They're clean. Now, yes, every now and then you have this great story, something that's kind of political or, or maybe racial, but it's usually for a good reason. It's usually for a good thing. It's not the platform to complain. Now, this is a long story. I don't want to go into it. Anyway, all I want to say is sports should be free of that garbage because that's where most people go to to get away from that, get away from the world, to have this, this outlet of, of, of purity. It, it's, a, it's a pure thing. It's, it's a thing that you can watch for three hours and it's all about stats. It's about emotions. It's about the passion on the field and it's not the world. It's not the garbage of the world and the the, the intricacies of politics and, and the, the difficulties of dealing with race and, and, and all of this other stuff. And, and, and I'm glad of that. I'm glad that, that sports should be separate and it should be. Now, Kaepernick though, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm getting on a tangent. Kaepernick does have a possibility here simply because Fangio has seen him up close and personal. Now, I don't know if Fangio likes Kaepernick. Maybe he hates Kaepernick. I don't know Fangio, but there is at least an opening for a discussion in saying, why not? Why not bring in Kaepernick for a tryout? Now, yes, there at least has been rumors. I think it's, I don't know if it's a fact, but that Elway gave him a chance that he wanted to bring in Kaepernick and Kaepernick declined it. Now, I'm not positive that's true, but there was something there. So maybe Elway's never going to give it a chance. I think the, the, uh, the idea of Kaepernick coming here is almost never going to happen. But still, 
it's at least worth a thought. Is he any worse or any, I'm sorry, is he any, yeah, is he any worse than Keenum? Is he any worse than, I don't know, Teddy Bridgewater or, or than, than Joe Flacco? These are the guys we're talking about. Now, I know a lot of the Mile High Report guys want to bring in Carson Wentz or somebody, but Carson Wentz isn't going anywhere. Maybe Nick Foles, but do we love Nick Foles? Sure, he's had some great playoffs, but he's not a great quarterback. He's not the future of the Denver Broncos, is he? Do you see? Come on. Sit right now. Close your eyes. Try to take a deep breath and imagine the Denver Broncos' future quarterback. Their their future. The guy under center for the next 15 years. The guy who dons this the orange and blue and says, this is mine. This is my team. Is that Nick Foles? No. Come on. And yeah, it's probably not Colin Kaepernick either, but it's also not Case Keenum. So the Broncos have to, they have to build for the future, which means they're going to almost for sure have to draft somebody. Now that's a whole nother topic. I'm going to leave that for farther down the line, closer to the draft. I mean, I, and I'm going to need to bring in people who know college football better than I do. Jeez. I mean, I know these guys' names. Honestly, I haven't watched a second of tape on them, which I know that's my bad. I'm going to need to do that, but it's time consuming and I don't have all day, but I mean, Haskins, Murray, I mean, is there anyone else besides these two guys? I mean, Haskins is going to go top five. I mean, almost unquestionably. Murray, he's probably going to go top 10. Maybe John Elway goes Drew Locke out of Missouri. That's the guy that's rumored to him. But most people have him as actually having the talent of second or third round, which means if Elway picks him in the first round, he sure as heck better succeed because he's another guy who, at least in physical appearance, looks like the Elway quarterbacks of old, that being Osweiler and Lynch, who... Yeah, um, not very successful. So we'll see. Um, you know, the quarterback situation, again, it's going to be the thing we talk about over and over and over. And no one knows the answer. I don't think John Elway knows the answer because it's a very difficult thing to figure out. How many teams in the NFL have not just the quarterback of the future, but the quarterback of right now? Yes, everyone wants a quarterback like Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. But you know what? You see him once every couple of years. They don't grow on trees, guys. It's not easy to go and draft a for sure success. Now, maybe like the guy from Clemson, um, what's his name? Lawrence. Yeah, he looks like a for sure, you know, win, no matter what. But I mean, so did Andrew Luck. And you know what? Andrew Luck missed almost two years because due to injuries. And he hasn't had the career that many people thought he would. And Maybe that's because of his team. Maybe that's because of injuries. Maybe he will have a renaissance, but he hasn't been as good as people expected. And that's just the reality of the NFL and the quarterbacking position. It's not something that's for sure. It's never guaranteed, ever. I mean, maybe Peyton Manning, but even him, he wasn't even selected first. So, I mean, it, it's it shows you that... Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's all a crapshoot for the quarterback position. Now, we can talk about Keenum. We can talk about Flacco, Kaepernick, Bridgewater, rookie. Elway has made it clear that they want somebody to come in to be the future of this team. And he's made it very clear that the future is not Case Keenum. And I feel bad for Keenum. That sucks. But, you know, the guy is a backup quarterback. He's going to have to live with that. He needs to come to grips with the fact that he's not good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. The guy is better quarterback than me. He's a better quarterback than, you know, what, 6 billion people in the world. He's just not quite good enough to be a number one quarterback. And that's fine. Whatever. Go make your money. He's making millions. I mean, people bash on these guys and these guys are making millions of dollars playing a game. 
Yeah, I don't feel bad for him. He should just be a second-tier guy. That's fine. He should be a backup. So who comes in? We'll see. I mean, it's it's an exciting thing. I mean, if Scandrello comes over from the 49ers, I mean, there's been rumors that maybe he'll try to bring over Nick Mullins, you know, the, the what, I don't know, second or third string quarterback now in, in San Francisco, the guy who who really had success. He beat the Broncos and, and showed that he is a guy who could be a an NFL caliber quarterback. Now, I don't think he's a guy who's, who's going to be the future of a team, but maybe the Broncos do. Maybe Scandrello, maybe John Elway, maybe Vic Fangio and everyone else thinks that He's someone who could who could lead the team for the future. I it doesn't you know get me all that excited, but who knows? Who knows? We, there's so much conjecture. There's so many things that we can imagine. I mean, Antonio Brown in the orange and blue—that's a crazy thought. Now, I don't know if I love it, but bringing his talent, sure, bring it, please. I'd love I'd love to see his talent on the field. Now, you know, if you can figure out how to work out his attitude and, and give him the right contract with still bringing in enough talent around him to succeed. Sign me up. And John Elway has shown that he is, he is not messing around this off season. I think he sees that his contract expires in three years. Maybe he wants to retire, which I kind of doubt. He seems like a guy who's a workaholic who probably will work until he dies, but he at least sees that I think he's on the hot seat at least a little bit. And he sees this is a three year window, which means he brought in, an older coach who is ready to win right now. An older coach who's going to bring this defense back to dominance. He's going to turn this defense into the number one, number two defense in all the NFL. And if you do that, you need to build around this offensive line, build an offensive attack you know, from running back, which that's why you bring in Mike Munchak. You pay Mike Munchak. You say, hey, Mike Munchak, we're going to pay you more than anyone else in football because we value you on the offensive line. And they did it. John Elway has been super aggressive so far this offseason. So what's he going to do next? The key, no one denies, is who he brings in at the quarterback position. I would love to hear what you all think. Who, who is Elway going to bring in? Who's the guy? Tell me. Is it so? Am I missing someone? Maybe they'll, I've heard someone say they'll trade for Matthew Stafford. Hey, I'm game. He's an older guy, but he's got the talent. He hasn't had the people around him, I think. I don't I, Maybe he's not a great quarterback, but he's someone who could win you games. If you have a great defense, Matthew Stafford could win you games. If you bring in Matthew Stafford, Antonio Brown, a couple defensive guys, this team will go to the playoffs. No question. No question. Now, it's more likely someone like Joe Flacco, someone like Teddy Bridgewater, but it's probably most likely you stick with Keenum because what do you gain from bringing in Flacco or Bridgewater? They're not a big enough... Uh, they're not that much better than Keenum. I mean, they're, they're better, I think. I think they're both better, and I like them both more. But are they enough that you're going to spend that much money? You're going to lose the money that you're going to have to pay Keenum? And then are you going to draft a guy and have him sit behind Bridgewater, who you're paying and paying Keenum, and you bring in a rookie? So I think they're going to keep Keenum. I think they're going to draft a guy, probably Drew Locke. I think Keenum's going to play in 2019. Drew Locke takes over in 2020, and you roll with the young guy for at least two years and just you know send up a hope and a prayer that he is your future. So I think that's becoming the most likely thing that will happen. I think that's why you bring in a guy like uh, Rich Scangarello, who is you know a young, college-minded guy. And I think with him, you're going to bring in a rookie. And I think that's most likely Drew Locke. 
So Broncos fans, I would go start watching some Missouri games and watching some Drew Locke because I bet you right now, at least the highest percentage, the highest likelihood of our future at quarterback in Denver is Drew Locke from Missouri. All right, up next, I want to end the show with our fan cast, our fan rant, our fan segment of the day of the week. This one is coming from Luke Short, who's actually one of my buddies, one of my buddies from Denver. I grew up with this guy, so I've known him forever. I could tell you some embarrassing stories, but I guess I will save them. (laughs) I'll save Luke some embarrassment. Um, But yeah, you know, give him a listen. You know, tell us what you think. What do you think? Do you agree with Luke? What it, what he believes in in John Elway and what John Elway needs to do? And remember, again, if anyone wants to contribute to this podcast, please send me a recording to Kevin Gillikin USA at gmail.com. I can't wait for another week of Broncos news and information. You will definitely, no question about it, hear the best, the most up to date, the most in depth news analysis reporting at milehighreport.com. These guys, these gals are absolutely brilliant football minds. They know more about the Broncos than I will ever forget. <laughs> I, I kind of missed that one. <laughs> but they, 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 I've, they've forgotten more than I will ever know. That's what I'm looking for. Anyway, okay. Uh, yep, I'm Kevin Gillikin. Thanks for listening to Broncos Bratwurst. Up next, Luke Short with his thoughts on the Denver Broncos. John Elway, the man, the myth, the legend. So let's take us a little bit back. Let's say to the year uh, 1983. In this year, the Baltimore Colts, with their number one pick in the draft, take John Albert Elway Jr. With concerns that the Baltimore Colts are going to not quite work out, which turned out to be true, with Baltimore moving to Indianapolis and struggling until Peyton Manning joins in the last year of Elway's career. Uh, anyways, back to my story. In 1983, Colts owner Robert Ursay agreed to trade away for uh, Chris Hinton, an offensive lineman, back quarterback Mark Herman, and a first-round pick from the 1984 draft for John Elway. So, of course, the rest is history as Elway makes appearances in five total Super Bowls, winning the last two back-to-back. However, things were not always easy, and he had the same normal growing pains that other quarterbacks had as they made their way through the NFL. But despite this, he never gave up and went on to become one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. The story doesn't even end there. Who would have thought that he would come back as a GM and bring the Denver Broncos to another Super Bowl victory? And if you told me that this would be with Peyton Manning at the helm, but with a uh, bad offense, but one of the greatest defenses of all time, I would never believe you. So this all happened, but uh, it takes time to... It's time to take the saga of John Elway to his next stage, which is bringing a long-term quarterback to the city. Who else should be able to understand and evaluate great talent better than John Elway? This is the next step that he needs to take for this franchise in order to cement his legacy as one of the greatest athlete GMs of all time. Let's look down the list of quarterbacks that have been selected in past drafts by the Broncos. Most recently, we had Chad Kelly, and uh, we all know what happened there. I'm sure everyone will forget this by the time next Halloween comes around, but I would love to see pictures of people dressing up as Woody from Toy Story next year. That would be classic. Anyways, next on the list you get Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, that Zach Dissert, and Brock Osweiler.
Obviously none of these panned out. I really hope that John is able to figure out this thing called drafting. The greatest thing you could do for us is to build the next generation of the Denver Broncos. You got to be able to critically evaluate the next rookie class and bring us some next level talent. We all know that the quarterbacks are the recipe for long-term success. Time will tell whether passing on Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Josh Rosen in 2018 was a bad idea or not. Let's pay special attention to the Cleveland Browns and how Baker Mayfield works out. And uh, so, John, what are your long-term plans? Do you expect to find a diamond in the rough or to, to bring in another free agent like Peyton Manning. There's some immense talent coming down the pipeline, and one that really stands out to me is Dwayne Haskins from Ohio State. Um, but there's other talent out there as well. We've got Drew Locke, Daniel Jones, Will Greer, and Ryan Finley. I, so I hate to say this, but we are close to being the league's next Jacksonville Jaguars or Tampa Bay Buccaneers or Arizona Cardinals. So I say this to Elway, your greatest legacy can be picking someone that can walk in your footsteps. But hey, if plan A fails, there are 25 more letters in the alphabet, right?